Artificial intelligence or AI is more than just a rapidly evolving futuristic technology. It's already an integral part of our daily lives, from the recommendations on our favorite streaming services to the algorithms that power critical business decisions. But what exactly is AI and how does it work? How can we use it to create smarter, safer and more sustainable solutions for our industry and the built environment? My name is James McAllister, Digital Design Lead at WSP in the Middle East. And in this episode of the Anticipate podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by Massimo Dragon, Unit Leader, Digital Innovation at WSP. In this episode, we'll demystify the complexities of AI, explore its nuances, applications, and the impact it has on our world. We'll also discuss some of the challenges that AI poses and how we can address them. Massimo, welcome to the Anticipate podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. Good day. So for our listeners who may not be familiar with machine learning and artificial intelligence, can you explain the differences between these two terms and perhaps tell us a little bit in, in simple words how AI and, and how, it's, how it handles structured and unstructured formats of information? For sure. So artificial intelligence uh, is kind of a broader field uh, that deals with creating systems or programs huh, that are capable of exhibiting behaviors that we would define as intelligent. And the goal of artificial intelligence uh, is typically to develop uh, these systems that can perform tasks that would require uh, a certain level of complexity. Machine learning, on the other hand, can be deemed as a specific subset of AI, which involves teaching machines uh, to learn from data. So it's more focused uh, on more on the analytics, uh, on the application of uh, statistical uh, uh, methodologies uh, and so forth. The characteristic of machine learning uh, solutions is that uh, they aim to improve their performance on task over time without being explicitly programmed for it. And then on your second part of the questions on structure and unstructured uh, information, we consider structured information as typically data that comes uh, in a numeric and organized format, while unstructured uh, information would be as simple as uh, a document uh, with sentences, concepts, uh, so where uh, it's more similar to the way that we express uh, concepts and knowledge in a conversational manner. Organizations are increasingly adopting AI, so maybe you can share some insights into how businesses are benefiting from integrating AI into their operations and um, some of the things that um, we're seeing as success stories, potentially. I think there's probably two or three key tenets in this uh, in this area. We're seeing organization increasingly leverage uh, the support uh, of AI tools uh, in the ideation process. So where you can you know, get a lot of input from uh, many different uh, people and then at the same time use uh, sort of an assistant uh, to help you validate those ideas or even augment those ideas with additional uh, information that the team may not have direct access to. There's also the side where AI is kind of becoming, there's a frequently used term is, is copilot. So it's in a day-to-day work. It's like having somebody sitting beside you virtually to help you navigate in the complexity of tasks that you do on a daily basis. So perhaps there are things that are happening that should capture your attention or that are more urgent than other ones. Or there's a flurry of information, your you know, 2,000 emails per second that you're receiving versus uh, a lot of uh, maybe documents that you need to uh, look into and the likes. Uh, And these uh, solutions uh, have an unparalleled uh, ability to sift through a lot of information and synthesize that that content so that they drag your attention uh, where it's more needed and extracting the relevant uh, 
concepts uh, from potentially large, uh, larger corpuses of, uh, of knowledge. I think co-pilot's an interesting thing, as you, as you mentioned, being an assistant to how we work, not a complete um, replacement for the tools and the people um, that we're talking about. And, and obviously, how we implement this um, in terms of the governance and monitoring are crucial aspects of um, kind of AI solutions. So maybe you can elaborate on some of the important factors um, in ensuring the responsible and ethical use of AI. So the I think you touched on a very important uh, point, and uh, I think copilot is the right is the right term. Right? There's a lot of concern that uh, uh, these systems will sort of take over or replace uh, things that we do. I think what will eventually we should be you know considering them more as as tools or mechanism that would allow us to perform activities that we still are in control of in a more safe. Uh, uh, efficient uh, and potentially, um, you know, more informed way. So it's true. Governance and monitoring are two uh, important aspects. Huh? And I'll touch on, on two things. One is uh, the governance piece. Uh, I think is paramount to a lot of the, you know, uh, the companies that are proposing and and putting to the market uh, these tools for uh, for companies. And it's one thing that we use as a lot of with a lot of attention we're reviewing um, you know offerings that we see uh, in the market and we're only partnering with um, with providers uh, that would allow us to develop these solutions for our clients uh, that would make sure that the information is treated the way it should be uh, in a safe way that access to information is uh, secured and on the other side the monitoring piece uh, will uh, always be leveraging the expert judgment uh, of uh, the end users. So in our case, you know, we are a knowledge company, so subject matter expertise uh, is uh, paramount and essential to validating that the responses that are generated or the insights that are proposed by these tools actually are you know, grounded in uh, scientific and technical uh, merit huh? and that you know the information that is uh, being synthesized, assembled, uh, or potentially newly generated uh, um, actually makes sense. And that that side of uh, uh, working with these tools rather than having uh, sort of the, uh, the, the magical expectations that these things uh, by themselves will, will solve every problem, I think is probably a way more likely uh, future that we're, that we're traveling towards. So that they're not going to take over the world just yet then we're saying we still need the human interaction right there's no terminator-esque yeah, no, horror I story i don't think so and uh the, you know both from uh institute and institutional perspective as well as from the industries there's a lot of uh attention emphasis on the ethical uh uh, aspects of this as it should be so there's even you know people will be familiar with the fact that uh, uh, tech companies have actually asked institution to put a good regulatory framework around this you know, recently the european union organized a, a summit uh, to to tackle this so there as with any uh, you know even a car can be very dangerous if you don't you don't have a code of conduct uh, to use those tools on on streets. So this Certainly is, this is not going to be this is not yeah. going to be any different. And, and I mean, obviously, 
naturally new tools require new policies new ways of working because there is obviously the like you said the the opportunity for abuse um of certain of certain tools and i i think maybe something people don't necessarily understand is how wsp has already been leveraging these ai tools um and maybe obviously with your expertise you can explain a little bit about some of the use cases of how we've integrated ai into wsp processes and the things we're doing and things your you and your team are doing absolutely so there's i think there's there's two uh, aspects here and let's go back to that initial um distinction between general uh, artificial intelligence and then the more you know data driven machine learning component so we've been using um machine learning uh for years now and it it's been helpful to gather insights from large amounts uh, of data and information and has allowed us to also develop uh, predictive models so where we would be using insights that are present in the data to predict uh, uh, future states of for example the environment so our team is uh, currently involved in an air quality monitoring project where we're using for you know safeguarding the exceedances of uh, air quality uh, measured at construction sites. So we're using and developing predictive models that would use uh, environmental conditions to predict what if the conditions of the at the working site are going to be safe. On the artificial intelligence side, um, we are actually developing uh, with the use of uh, large language models. So people will be familiar with the, uh, you know, the advent of ChatGPT and these uh, uh, natural language uh, processing interfaces. So we're develop we're using these uh, technologies to develop um, conversational uh, tools that would allow our teams, but also uh, people that are not necessarily technically versed at highly complex uh, content, uh, to be able to interact with thousands and thousands of pages. Uh, we're we're currently piloting one uh, on a large uh, remediation project that has been uh, in the design and implementation phase for more than uh, 20 years. So you can easily imagine uh, the the vast uh, corpus of uh, uh, data, information, um, expert opinions that has been solidified in thousands of pages of reports, because that's the way that we typically communicate uh, among each other. That's the way we uh, we use to explain uh, what is happening, what our decision-making process was, and what our suggestions are, are to uh, complete uh, a specific task. In this case, uh, give back the land to the communities that used to live in a, uh, in an uncontaminated uh, area. So in this case, the application that we're developing will allow a human interaction with a large uh, set of uh, uh, information and knowledge and you'll be able to interact with this uh, in, a, in a natural way so by using just your language which is I think uh, one aspect of artificial intelligence that I find uh, extremely interesting the way that uh, we'll be interacting with uh, systems and tools in a way more natural way rather than having to either create code or or learn how to use specific softwares or learn uh, different uh, paradigms on on how we interact with the uh, uh, information or how we extract the knowledge the the great benefit of applying uh, these sides of uh, artificial intelligence is that the interaction uh, is the same as we're interacting among ourselves in this conversation. Really interesting. I think you probably touched on probably the next um, 
the next point of potentially, I mean, it wouldn't be a discussion about AI without talking about the fear of someone losing their job from AI doing a better version of that job. Um, And the fear of job displacement is obviously real to um, many, many, many people. Um, However, I suppose yourself and, and me are more well versed into the tools and you've mentioned obviously about it being a co-pilot something to assist us it's not anywhere near a space where these tools are taking over you know there's always a human element that that must be must be included um into into you the use of ai and these these tools so what are your thoughts on this kind of concern of job displacement and and how can individuals and in, in organizations navigate the potential impact on employment I think the, a better, probably a, a better term is, uh, uh, is that, that we could be using is what type of transition will the adoption of AI allow us to do? And the transition will be from uh, um, current paradigms of how we accomplish our uh, tasks, our jobs, uh, our aspirations uh, versus how will these uh, um, assistance, uh, these mechanisms that will augment our knowledge, these uh, tools uh, that will simplify a little bit the complexity that surrounds us. How are these going to allow us uh, to eventually make better use of our time, to stop wasting uh, time to do repetitive tasks, which is a curse that uh, in, in a number of organizations, especially when you're doing knowledge-intensive uh, 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 tasks, uh, we all experience uh, the deluge of information, the fact that we don't seem to be able to cope with uh, the amount of tasks and the speed that these tasks are now required or expected to be executed. So I, I really have a lot of uh, uh, positive uh, aspirations uh, um, and a good you know, a good feeling that this is actually going to give us back a little bit of the time that has been captured uh, by uh, some of the way that we've, we're currently using uh, computers, software, and how we're interacting with the data and information to eventually make decisions. Back on the on on the importance of the human factor, there's um, various publications that predict that actually the the experts are going to be essential because uh, overseeing and validating uh, what these tools will be generating is going to be paramount. And I think the other interesting side of this, uh, back to the the idea that the way that we interact is in a more natural way, uh, is going to be making accessible to wider audiences uh, that won't necessarily require deep technical expertise uh, some of those insights, some of that information is the, you know, there's there's this uh, interesting uh, feature. One of the use cases of large language model is you ask a question and in that question you you say, explain that to me as if I was a a six-year-old six-year-old baby, right? So, which is interesting in in the sense that uh, I think uh, we are, you know, increasingly becoming a society where technical expertise and knowledge uh, becomes more and more sophisticated, but we also need to make sure that that's democratized, that everybody has access to that to that type of technical knowledge. And again, these uh, uh, these tools and mechanism to make it simple but still understandable, I think are are very very interesting. And and my expectation is that we're gonna see them uh, adopted um, in various uh, use cases. So my take is that. Jobs won't go away. They're they're gonna change the way our 
intellect uh, will be used uh, probably in a slightly different way and you know ideally and hopefully in a more meaningful way to tackle you know the the larger uh, challenges that our societies are going through uh, and we're already seeing uh, the benefit uh, of using these capabilities to tackle uh, tasks that at the moment are daunting for us because we don't have, uh, you know, in, in our brains, the, the ability to process all that information in an efficient and, and, and rapid uh, way. I mean, I, I love the idea of a, of a kind of intelligence or data economy that these kinds of tools build for us, being able to ask a question of a thousand minds through these through these kind of language models and and i think there's there's a real interesting kind of adaptation that these can have to um our work like you've said and and just the the need for um the business around us to constantly find ways to optimize our own time buy time gain time save time anything we spend a lot of money on saving time so these tools are a natural progression surely as you obviously understand um are a natural progression for how we just save time in the future uh, i suppose specifically um around the built environment a few years ago everyone was putting um sensors and bits into buildings to optimize the efficiency of a workforce save time save money on operations maintenance you know there's there's time to be saved everywhere and, and as you said we are a people business so um one of our biggest expenditures or the biggest expenditure we have is people so if we're able to save them time and and save them kind of these these longer processes that could be instantly shortened by using some of these tools i think that's a fantastic point massimo so um maybe kind of looking ahead um to how we might continue to use these kinds of tools or the the evolution of ai and how it affects us um as an industry and how it will affect us in terms of what we can provide for our clients you know are there emerging trends or developments that you find particularly interesting or, or you know rile you up into a place of excitement so I think there's one, there's a couple that come to my mind, especially for the, the built environment, I would say. One is uh, a general trend that we see is that um, the evolution of AI will be that it will kind of disappear from the radar. So it will become in itself more of a natural thing that is out there. So I think uh, we've started the, the use of artificial intelligence with the asking questions, the paradigm of asking questions and receiving an answer. I think we're moving into a, uh, a paradigm where it's going to be interactive experiences that are, are going to be more natural and engaging so that we're going to be using more senses to be able to interact with an environment that will kind of understand what we're doing and that will help us accomplish our tasks or that will keep us safe. You know, I think uh, safety and the ability to protect people from uh, um, events where our where our senses or our ability to react uh, may not be sufficient to uh, to prevent uh, harm is an extremely interesting uh, type of application where these tools uh, deployed in a in a built environment uh, may be extremely efficient. You know, we hear about road accidents. Uh, we hear about things that happen where you would consider yourself uh, in a safe place. And still, people get uh, get hurt and, and harmed. the The other piece, I think, is uh, 
as you mentioned, uh, there's been an, an, a period of time where the built environment has been sort of loaded with, with senses, with digital senses. Now, I think, is the time where these uh, um, sources of information with the use of AI will uh, finally you know, deliver on the promise of how we're going to coordinate all these sources of information and how we're going to extract the right insights, how we're going to make uh, our uh, the places where we live more sustainable, how we're going to be able to reuse uh, energy or waste less energy or consume less resources and the likes. And a number of these challenges, I think, reside in the ability to now coordinate all of these sources of information. And these tools, um, I think, will, will help us get there uh, way uh, faster. Another um, example, uh, I think, is, is in very practical and day-to-day -day job. There are already applications that are used for example in uh, in maintenance and in the services uh, industries where um, just by so talking back about uh, the use of the sensors um, you know you do need to do uh, maintenance to an equipment that is uh, uh, exposing uh, fault uh, behaviors and you can easily look at that and then you would have the interaction where where you're looking because you're you know uh, using devices that can see what you're seeing and can understand where you're looking at, then uh, the, uh, the the copilot can understand what is that piece of equipment, can gather the technical information about it, can help you do your maintenance in the right way. It can show you things that you don't see. So the use of augmented reality, for example, in a built environment where all the cables, all the equipment, all the sensors are hidden, uh, this is huge. You know, when you're operating uh, in an environment where you don't see things, uh, having an assistant that can feed you information about where are the cables, where are what are the connections between the different type of equipments, and where could the source of the problem be to make your uh, your task of fixing it uh, safer for you as a no, as a as a front end operator, as well as uh, uh, more effective, so that you know that equipment works and that uh, you don't need to to go back there. And these are uh, all these have all become accessible uh, work uh, cases and uh, accessible applications uh, of this type of technology. Massimo, what's the future for AI? What's the future for AI in our in our business then? I think the immediate future is uh, unlocking the knowledge uh, uh, capital that has been uh, solidified uh, in solidified and taken away from being practically uh, usable. We have uh, thousands of uh, uh, expert uh, uh, knowledge uh, insights uh, that have been locked uh, in documents uh, in fragmented. Uh, uh, storage uh, devices uh, and the likes. I think the, the first immediate uh, use is that uh, we'll be able to leverage the collective knowledge of the WSP subject matter experts in a, in a way that is uh, uh, that has not been possible uh, uh, in the past. And I think that we'll be able to help our clients uh, leverage and extract the value from the knowledge that they have also uh, accumulated over the years uh, and that somehow in the way that we've used uh, our computer systems uh, has sort of solidified that but also made 
made it way more challenging to reuse and capitalize. So I think this is probably, I would call it the low-hanging fruit for <laughs> AI. Okay, and then uh, I think the other interesting and uh, interesting concept uh, is that will part of this uh, will be discovered uh, as things happen. I think use cases uh, will emerge on what are the areas where these uh, assistants uh, will help us uh, do things uh, more safely, uh, do them more efficiently. And I think ultimately there's going to be not too far down in, in the future the opportunity to change and challenge some of the paradigms that, are, that we're currently using. Okay? So one of the uh, principles that WSP talks about is challenge the status quo. I think this is a fantastic time to leverage this technology to do just that. And we now have uh, in the hands uh, tools that will augment our uh, knowledge capabilities so that we can challenge the, uh, the status quo uh, you know, if, even more profoundly in, you know, as I mentioned before, striving to solve uh, the fundamental challenges that our societies uh, are exposed to in, um, you know, in, in their evolution over time. Massimo, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today and for the invaluable insights you've shared. I'm really excited to see what you and the team do with it in the future. And rest assured, I am not terrified that my job or anyone else's job, all the robots taking over, none of it, you know, you put me at ease. So thank you so much to our audience. Thank you for listening all the way through. And please leave a comment if today's episode has sparked your interest. And don't forget to join us on the next episode.